who's, who's felt a shift for them in their life, in their journey, in their heart, in the last kind of month or so? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Uh, just lots of conversation and, and hearing. And, and we know um, because we are a, a corporate people, you know, that God does things not just individually in us, but he does things amongst us. And it does really feel like a, just a significant shift for us kind of corporately as a community. Now, there's always things in our hearts that reside and God, we're always on the heart journey. That's why we call it the heart journey, not the heart destination. Um, it's just, and it's just God lovingly uh, bringing us into wholeness and fullness. And so there's no, there's no shame in the process. Um, but it's something where we feel like there's just a momentum building for us um, in, in the spirit. And, uh, and I just wanted to share this morning a bit about um, this whole thing, you know, when, when the wind of God is blowing, what our responsibility is in that situation and in that season. And there is a real sense that, uh, yeah, there's just a, a momentum uh, kind of building and, and lots of prophetic words that are um, happening kind of nationally, locally, uh, dreams that people are having, all of that sort of stuff is this real sense of God is just going, cool, now's the time. Um, a lot of uh, words related to bringing us out of hiddenness, um, even just as a, as a church in the region, in the nation, whatever that looks like. Uh, we're not kind of putting anything on the specifics, but really going, okay, Lord, that's, that's what you're doing. Um, that's what we're wanting to partner in with. Uh, and even some of the sense of what we're doing in the hall and the move and the shift there uh, will, will open up um, a, a visibility for us as a community. Uh, the last thing I want to do is be famous. Um, you know, like, we're just not interested in that kind of thing. Um, so we, we're not big on promoting and all of those sorts of things, but we, but we do feel like as a, as a leadership and, and as a church, like, that God has things, like, we've yielded ourselves to what God wants to do, and so then we're positioned to save it, and we want to be a blessing to the body of Christ. We want to be a blessing to the region, to the nation, in whatever way that looks like. And so we are, you know, that yielded that, that piece of clay that we just say, Lord, just mold us how you want to mold us, shape us how you want to shape us. Uh, and so uh, along with that comes visibility. And, uh, and, and again, we're not putting anything on what that exactly looks like. God knows what it looks like, um, but we're just trusting. And so uh, partnering in with what God is doing, you know, we are, uh, you know, buying cameras, which again is kind of culturally for us, it's just, that's kind of not really what we're into. Um, but we feel like, but if God's saying, but I want to make you visible, it's like, okay, Lord, then we'll be faithful to do those things which align with your purpose and your plan. Um, so again, it's, it's not pushing something, but it is preparing us for what God is doing. And, uh, and essentially that's um, kind of the, the premise of what I wanted to share briefly with you this morning is... Uh, you know, the analogy of a sailboat, and when a sailboat is out on the water, um, the purpose and the, and the role of the boat is not to make itself move, but it's to position itself rightly to catch the wind that is blowing that is then the propulsion to, that moves it forward. Um, and so wind in, in the scriptures, even the word pneuma is the Greek word in the New Testament, uh, and that's where you get things like pneumatic. So air, air power tools are called pneumatic tools because it's 
uses wind, uses air, um, but that is the Greek word pneuma, and so when it talks about the Spirit of God, it's the same word, but it, sometimes when it talks about wind, there are a couple of different Greek words that can be translated as wind, but when it talks about the wind or the breath of God and the Spirit of God, it's this word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. Um, and so we understand that there's, it's all through the Scriptures, uh, I think the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is ruach, um, but it means that there are just times when the, the wind of God, the breath of God comes uh, and there is a, a movement and a shifting uh, in those moments. And so, you know, in Acts, in the book of Acts at Pentecost, they're gathered together in the upper room and this wind comes, this kind of, and, and it was a wind that had a, a, such a sound that people even around the building could hear this wind of God that was coming. And uh, there is, I think in John, John 20, I think, uh, is where Jesus breathed onto the disciples. And uh, in the notes that I was uh, reading about um, under those passages, it talks about where in, in that passage in John where Jesus breathes on the disciples, he says, receive the Spirit of God. And he was uh, releasing the Spirit to bring life to the disciples. Uh, and then we see in Acts 2 where Jesus said to the disciples, which I've, I know I've said before and I find interesting, um, we, to spend three years... 24 hours a day, seven days a week with Jesus. And to then come away from that season and for Jesus to say, but it's not enough. So full-time engagement, I feel like I would soak up a fair bit of like wisdom and insight and anointing and whatever it was required. Can you imagine given, being given an opportunity? I reckon in a day I would like, that would you know, be overwhelming enough. But the disciples spent three years with Jesus and still he said to them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Spirit has come upon you in power. So they knew that even all that they received from him, there was that uh, anointing, the baptism, the, the, the resting upon of the Holy Spirit that was required for them to move forward into what the Lord had for them. And so they were waiting, and that's what they were doing at Pentecost. They were just waiting for the Spirit to come upon them, and it did, and it came like a rushing mighty wind. And so we know when God breathes, when God moves, things change and things happen. Uh, and to, to think about sometimes in those seasons, I feel like there's seasons where there's just a stillness in God. And he's just consolidating things like nothing's really happening. There's always things happening, but sometimes it's like he's doing a work in us, preparing us. Like he's getting the vessel ready um, to, you know, to, to be moving forward. Um, I, I love... Uh, I, Maybe it was in a dream, or maybe I saw it in like a quote this morning, but it said, um, you know, it's not the water around a boat that sinks a boat, it's the water that gets inside of it um, that makes it drown. And so, you know, that's for us again, always, we're always in that preparation season. And so, like, Lord, get me right, get the vessel right, so that when the wind comes and I set out to sea, I'm not going to kind of sink to the bottom of the ocean. Um, so, Lord's, you know, there's those seasons where he's preparing us, and then there's those seasons where he's blowing and the wind of God is blowing. But So when the wind of God is blowing, we need simply to set our sail. So that's our job, is just to set our sail and let the wind carry us in the direction that God wants us to go. So always when the wind of God is blowing, it's the wind that does the work, not us. We don't need to, you know, partner and do all of these things and quick, I've got to, got to catch up to the wind. It's like, no, no, my job is just to set the sail. And it's amazing to think about, you know, a, a yacht 
obviously that doesn't have a motor, but in those old days, those boats, like that is the really the only way, apart from rowing, but you're not going to get very far doing that. Like that's just, that's all the power that's contained within a sailboat is, is literally, it's completely inert, like it's completely passive in a sense, and it's the wind that does all of that work. So we get moved forward in the direction of the wind, but we're not actually the ones doing any work. And I just really love the idea. I don't love the idea of not having to work, but I love the idea of wherever I end up, it was all God. Like, I love the idea to think about as a community, like in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, because already in the, you know, almost 10 years that we've been as a community, it's like, well, I didn't see this. I think someone asked me the other day, it's like, it was yesterday, and, uh, and it's like, are you, you know, it's almost 10 years, are you, is this kind of what you thought God was going to do? And it's like, well, no. <laughs> Certainly lots of things that were not on my radar at all, um, but also part of my response to the person that asked me was that, well, I never really thought about what it would look like. I just knew that what we wanted to be is just yielded to whatever God would want. And so my hope is that it looks like what God wants it to look like. Like as a church, it doesn't look like that, that other church over there or those people down there or this ministry or mission or whatever it is, is like, no, that we would be exactly what God wants us to be and we would be exactly where God wants us to be and we haven't gone forward or lagged behind but, but positioned ourselves, set ourselves and the wind of God has blown. He's like, okay, I've just moved you into this season or I've moved you to this place or I've moved you into this sphere of authority or whatever it might be and to live in that kind of way. And see, when you are a sailboat, you don't get to set the direction of the wind. The wind is blowing in one direction. Our job is to agree and to open the sails and to let the wind do the work. But there is then, in that process, there is an agreement that we have to come into. To say, well, God, if, if you're heading in that direction, take me with you. Just I want to I catch the direction of the wind that you're going. Now, it might not be, well, I wouldn't have thought to go that way. Um, I wouldn't have expected that you would lead me in that direction. But if that's where you're, the wind is blowing, I'm going to catch it. And I feel like we've been so conditioned in, um, in the way that the world works and even oftentimes in the church um, that if we're not doing, then nothing will get done. It's just so like we're just, and we're, it's almost like we're just constantly trying to encourage and pump people up to do more, like get on board and do more things. And, and now the reality is there's always things to be done, but almost like that momentum and that push is, uh, is just, it's kind of just driving people to do, driving people to do. Um, and I think that can raise a couple of, uh, raise a couple of questions for me. Um, I even find sometimes it's that weird thing of where, you know, in, when we're worshipping together, the strangest thing for me is sometimes how much time and energy we can put in trying to get Christians to love Jesus. It's like, who are we in this room? That, that, I, that I might come and go, okay, hopefully you're going to convince me this morning to love Jesus. Because I'm just here... 
So I'm here, I'm supposed to be here, I'm called to be here, I'm just, I feel, you know, whatever. But hopefully this morning something happens that encourages me to love Jesus. And you can spend an hour, an hour and a half just like, come on, love Jesus. It's just weird. It's sad, you know, like we've, we kind of set up that, even that environment sometimes. It's like I, I come in like someone's going to convince me. That's why we don't do offering talks every week. It's like you, you stewarding your finances is your responsibility. And now there will be people that will disciple you and help you to understand that. But if I have to convince you of something every single week, there's a real problem in your heart and in your maturity and your understanding. I remember one time at, at a previous, in a previous ministry context, <laughs> I remember one time and I, I still even remember the this analogy that I used, like Lisa and I were at the Wacker ground watching a cricket game and something happened with like lollies and I, it's weird. But anyway, I shared this analogy in the offering talk and the offering went up that week. I remember then being in the staff meeting, they're like, oh, great talk, you know, and whatever. It's just this, but there's this that weird concept and it was like, oh, that's so good because the offering was up. And I'm like, but then, what, like, why? <laughs> because I inspired people to, to simply be responsible with what is already a responsibility. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just, just really inspired to parent my children today. So what am I doing the other day? I mean, you can, sometimes it can be totally uninspiring, but it's not, that's a responsibility. Like that's not a decision. Am I gonna parent today or am I not gonna parent today? Well, I don't have a choice because I am, I am that. Um, Anyway, I didn't plan to say any of those things, but, <laughs> you know, there's such a, a subtle danger of, of manipulation in trying to get people to do stuff. And again, when there's stuff that, there is stuff that needs to get done. And that's why, you know, intentionally we've tried to build a culture that's not driven by performance that can take that, the slow approach. It's like however long it takes. Um, and that's not advocating laziness. It's just not, it's advocating against performance. That's what we're doing. So I'm saying, oh, just be lazy, just be whatever, you know, she'll be right, you know. No worries, it'll happen, I guess. It's like, oh, no, no, when the Lord says, I need you to do this, like, well, my response is obedience to that. And so if he says, you know, dig a hole or paint a wall, or send, like, it's, whatever it is that I'm engaging with the Lord in, it's, it's obedience is my response to a loving father that calls me to do something because he's not calling me to do something even for his benefit, it's, it's, it's for mine. Like I get the, the fruit and the blessing of, of obedience. Um, but we don't want to live in this way that we're constantly trying to work and make things happen. Um, you know, when the wind is blowing, my posture determines my movement. So we don't generate the wind, we simply catch it. But my posture is so incredibly important that, I'm, that I set my heart for the Lord to be able to move me forward into where he wants me to go. If I don't set my sail, the wind of God will keep blowing. I'll just stay still. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to get trying, you know, then start rowing and get, well, God's not moving, so I'm going to, you know, get him to move somehow. I'll just, you know, just... Start paddling out the side of the boat. Get the oars out. You know, we're not, we're not, you know, clearly, you know, God's not, you know, kind of moving. I think it's Smith Wigglesworth. There's a quote by him, and it's like, if God's not moving, then I'll move God. And um, 
I get, uh, I get what he's saying, um, but I feel like if God's not moving, then he, he doesn't want to move. Um, <laughs> I wrote here, if you feel the need to move, then move the heart of God. If you feel the need to move, to be, I've got to do something, move his heart. Love on him. Because sometimes that almost seems antithetical, like the opposite of doing. And yet it is, the, it is the most productive thing you can do in your journey with God is to love on him. That's the highest measure of productivity. And oftentimes it's the most costly thing, for, particularly for, for doing kind of people. And it's this weird thing, like I'm a doer, and yet do I invest time, you know, I like to move, but do I invest time trying to move God's heart? Not trying to move his hand, not trying to get him to do something, but to move his heart. You know, it's very difficult to fly a kite when there is no wind. Um, one way to do it is to run as fast as you can and try and generate some wind resistance, but it's incredibly tiring. I remember I had this vision in primary school and, um, and we made kites. Well, it must have been like year two or year three. And, uh, and it, I, it obviously wasn't a very windy day, but I remember this girl and she wasn't the fastest of runners. And so I just have this vision of her on the other side of the oval, just like getting as fast as you can, and this kite just dragging along kind of behind her, getting nowhere. Um, you know, it is. It's like kind of we try and, well, we'll try and generate some, some wind. Like I can, if, I, if you run, if it can be completely still and you run, you'll feel the wind, but you're just, you're actually resisting the stillness. If you move and you feel wind, you're actually resisting the stillness of God sometimes. So sometimes in those seasons, like I've got to be active and God's like, no, be still. So it's, okay, so I'll be still, but then when the wind's blowing, it's still be still, just set your sails. And I'll move you. It's all God. Like everything that you will accomplish that is of any worth in your life is all God. It's all Him. That's why we can't even, if we receive, we receive salvation, like, oh God, well, I'm going to, I'm just so grateful for receiving salvation and relationship with you and, you know, eternity with you, all that sort of stuff. So I'm just going to work so hard to pay God back. You know, because he's loved me so much, so I'm just going to, you know, go hard after God. And yet everything that you do is by his grace. Otherwise, it's by your strength and has nothing to do with him. If he's in agreement, then he's releasing his grace and you're doing his work. So then even that, it's almost like the, the further we journey with God, the more in debt to him we become. Because everything we accomplish is his spirit, it's his power, it's his authority, it's his grace. So as I said, sometimes we think we feel the wind of God, but it's simply us moving against the stillness of God. So we've had a season, I feel like we had a season of stillness, and now we had a, we're coming into a season where the wind is picking up. But again, it's not the time to paddle, it's the time to set the sail. You know, uh, Rachel's that picture she had of the riptide, it's the same sort of thing. It's just actually just letting it take you where it needs to take you. And trusting the Lord that he wants to do that. Now obviously on a sailboat, you've, you've got the sail, but you also have the rudder. Now the rudder can only do so much to direct the boat. It can't, the rudder can't turn the boat around and head in the other direction. If you try that, then the boat's just going to move backwards, I assume. Um, I've never done that. I haven't done much sailing. Um, 
But the rudder is there to keep alignment when the wind is blowing. And I picture the, the rudder as being like the, the scriptures. So the, the word of God that you know that keeps you in alignment with the word of God that is now being spoken. So again, we, we, we talk about the word of God. Oftentimes we relate that to the scriptures, but the word of God is broader than the scriptures. Um, that is what God has said and sometimes he is saying and what he says now won't be in disagreement with that. But he will tell you something that he hasn't told you from the Bible. He's telling you because he's speaking to you. Yeah, has anyone ever heard God speak to them or given them some direction? I'm literally, so I finished writing this sermon after we'd practiced worship this morning because all that I had this week from God was set your sails. So I'm like, wow, okay, give me some more. So I'm there last night, I'm like, is there more? There's, okay, there's not much more. I guess I'll just wait. <laughs> I'll set my sail, Lord. I'm here, I'm listening. <laughs> um, so that, that rudder of, of the scriptures, it, it keeps us in alignment. So we're not just going and, and kind of drifting off into anything or catching any wind or going in any direction. Sometimes we can have that feel, well, just let God take me. What if I go into error or I go into some crazy place? It's like, well, no, you've got, you know, when the, when the spirit of God is moving, that we don't, we're not left. It's not like take your brain and throw it away. Oh, you're going to be charismatic. That's cool. Have a lobotomy and just go and, you know, flow with the spirit. It's not at all. It's like he's, he's given you a mind, he's given you, and he's maturing you in the things of the Spirit, and he's, he's given us the Scriptures, like how amazing, which again, um, all of the New Testament was written without the New Testament. <laughs> they just lived literally by the Spirit of God and by the authority that came through the voice of the apostles. Now, again, we trust that God was leading them, the Spirit was speaking through them and all of those sorts of things. But essentially, they were led by the Spirit of God. Even Paul, he had this mandate from God to take the gospel to the Gentiles, to the nations. And yet he would go to a place and that's where he went. Sometimes he'd be, the Lord would say, go here, and he'd go there. And sometimes he'd be like, okay, the next place is over there, I'm going to start going. And then the Spirit would come against him and say, no, we're not going here. It's like, cool. I'm, but all the time, I'm listening to the Spirit of God. And trusting, knowing the character and the nature of the Lord from the scriptures. And so that's the rudder. But we have to have that now word of God that is speaking. That's the wind God. I mean, we use the word logos and rhema, the two different trans words that are translated into word in the scripture. Um, oftentimes people will, the, the simplest way that people explain that is the logos is the written word and the rhema um, is the spoken word, like the now word. Um, I feel like that's too simplistic of a description of it um, because, it, like, Jesus is the Logos. Um, so, and he's, he's not a, a book. He's a person. Um, I think, you know, to understand the Logos as the, div the divine message of God um, for people is, is one thing. And again, and it's interchangeably used, but... Uh, but there is a reality that uh, there's this divine message of God, but then he's just what he is speaking out to us, and we want to hear that. And when there's that corporate word of God, the corporate wind of God, that we understand that we're not going to go into error because we, we're not throwing our brains away. We're not throwing our discernment away. We're not 
you know, we, people are sharing prophetic dreams. We're not just going, okay, we better, we better do that. You know, we better do this now. Okay, we've got to go over here. We've got to do this thing. It's a lot of the time. So we've had people, you know, significant prophetic people, and they'll send a, have a dream sent through an email, and we go, okay, cool. We're just going to wait on that. Okay, Lord, give us wisdom. This, we're just going to pray. We're just going to sit, sit with God about it. You know, so we are, we feel like there's like this heightened kind of prophetic, um, you know, noise, not noise in a good way happening, sound kind of being released, lots of people having dreams, lots of like, we have conversations, catch ups with people and they're all saying similar things and yet no one's talked to each other about it and it's just putting all of those pieces together. Um, even, uh, so Luke and Rachel are uh, catching up with friends on the East Coast this week for a friend's birthday and, uh, and she's messaging us. It might have been yesterday, the first day they're there. And she's like, oh, I went out onto the veranda and I could see this giant belly of a snake hanging off the veranda. And, uh, you know, that's what happens. Um, you know, there's, I guess, a python or something hanging on the thing. She's like, oh, that's interesting. And then she goes inside and she checks and there's a security system uh, on the wall and the name of the security company is called Paradox Security. <laughs> so there you go. Um, this, yep, yep. Uh, but it's just this that weird sort of stuff. And you don't want to make something out of everything, but you just know that it's just this heightened kind of crazy, you know, we'll have a Wednesday prayer time or a Tuesday prayer time, and then some, you know, well-known prophetic voice in the nation puts a word that just like bang, 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 bang. That's exactly what, you know, God was just talking to us about. Um, but in all of those things, it's not then this pressure of like, okay, we have to, we have to do something now. When God prophesies, it's He's, what he's declaring is what he is going to do. Now, again, there's a partnership and there's an agreement and there's, a, there's an expectation. There's all of these things. But he doesn't say, here's what I'm going to do. And then I think, oh, so that's, that means that here's what I've got to do. So, no, no. Uh, if, I'm not, it's not a direction. It's a, it's a destination. It's a thing that I'm doing. And so we've got to even understand rightly in the prophetic. Now, there is, as I said, there's agreement. There might be, okay, I've, I've position learning, experiencing all of those sorts of things. So I've had, you know, uh, lots of different prophetic words from people about spiritual fathering and, uh, and you know, big words. You know, I'm going to make you a father to the nation and many nations. And you just kind of go, I said to someone the other day, it's like, and I got that word when this church was maybe 20 people in, in total, like maybe 10 on a Sunday, in Quinana, you know, meeting in, a, in an old library building of a primary school. And you get these sorts of words, and you're like, okay, God, I don't see how that's going to happen, but thanks for sharing. Um, you know, but, but you believe it. But then I remember going through a season where then the Lord said, and now I'm going to, I'm not, I don't want you to then to learn how to do that, but I want to make that in you. So again, God says, this is who, this is who I've called you to be. Like, okay, I've got to learn. I've got to start studying and, and figure out how to do that. It's like, no, no, so I want to make you that. I'm going to do it in you, and then you will become that which I've called you to be. Because oftentimes when we get the prophetic, um, it, is, it's, it gives us hope and direction as to where God is taking us. It helps to align our hearts in the preparation process. And it also um, speaks to us to say, it, and it's probably not going to look like that tomorrow. It might even look like the opposite of that sometimes. And that's why I've told you so that you know where you're going to end up. You know where I'm taking you so that you actually hold fast to my word 
in the seasons where you're coming up against opposition, where it's in hardship, where everything feels like everything is going in the opposite direction as to where God has me. So being in the scriptures and learning and knowing the Bible is important to keep you in alignment to the direction of God like a rudder. But it won't tell you the direction that the wind is blowing. It keeps you in alignment as you are moving forward. Again, a rudder is useless unless there's movement. Like, I don't know, again, haven't had much experience on a boat. I don't even like on a jet ski. You hop on a jet ski and you, you can turn the thing any which way and you're going to sit in the same spot, it's only when you have kind of forward momentum and that's what it is. So it's like, I can't just be like, well, I've just got to know the scriptures and then I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll move. It's like, no, you've got to set the sail. You've got to trust God. And as he is moving you, you know there's some security there. There's, some, there's things there that are going to keep you in alignment. Not just the scriptures, but knowing the voice of God, having you know, corporate, accountable relationships, all of those sorts of things. So if you feel like you don't sense the wind yourself, then look at the direction of the boats around you. So sometimes we can only sense the direction of the wind when we see the things around us moving. It's in the same way, you know, if you're ever playing sport and you're like, oh, which way is the wind? And you pick up some grass and you drop it and you see it. There's enough, you, don't, you can't feel that enough on your body, but as soon as you pick up something and you release it, you can see, oh, that's the direction that is going. But again, you might be someone who's like, I just don't, I'm just kind of not wired prophetically like that I don't I don't see that I don't really know and I can read something but I trust the people that God has connected me with I trust not just their ability to hear from God but their ability to rightly uh, administer what God is saying and uh, and there's trust built there but you can look around and say okay so Lord well, the other boats are all they've set their sails and they're all kind of moving in the, that direction okay Lord I'll, I'll I set my sail and we're moving together. So again, you don't have to try and figure everything out. You don't have to understand every little bit of what's happening here. Uh, that is essentially the definition of faith. Faith is, is um, grasping onto the reality of the unseen as if it's seen. You know, so faith is, is that conviction of what is unseen. So when we have faith that God is going to do something in the natural... It's not there, but we know, but it's, it's, it is there in some sense. I don't see it, but I know it's there. Um, and so, again, as God is moving us, we say, well, by faith, Lord, I set my sail, I see the direction, and I say yes to you, Lord. And I see where people are heading, I say, I just say yes to God. And I allow myself to be yielded and changed and transformed in that process. You know, the, the, the prayer room stuff, um, you know, I didn't, that wasn't something that dropped into my heart to, to initiate that. It really, it really dropped into Rachel's heart. It's like, I just feel this conviction. And I'm like, and I, I trust you, and I trust that you hear from God. And I, then I felt, but it was, it was kind of when there was agreement, then the Lord gave confirmation to that. You know, sometimes it's in the forward movement that the Lord confirms. It's like when we say yes, then he gives us the more. Because what we sometimes want is like, well, God, give me every step along the way and then I'll determine whether or not I'm going to trust you to lead me there. Um, it's like, you know, he gives you the first step and then you take that step and then he releases the more. And uh, because otherwise we just, we end up kind of trying to control God 
and trying to control the outcome of what he has and having a yes and a no that's determined by whether we like it or not. Not by whether we have a heart and a posture that is, I'm just fully yielded to you, Father, wherever you want to go, wherever you want to take me, yes. We say yes before he's told us what to do. We've given him permission, which is what it is. When we say yes to God, we, we gave him permission to lead us wherever he wants to lead us. And as, as, a, as a leadership, as a, as a broader team, and I hope as a, as a community, we've just said yes to God. And we keep saying yes to God. And someone might ask, why are you doing that? Because we said yes. Why are you doing more of this? Because we said yes. What about this thing? You're missing this thing. I, I know. Because we said yes. There are so many things that we could do. There are so many things that I could manipulate you into doing. I could guilt trip you. I could do a whole lot of things. And they'd be all good God things. And yet there would be no breath on it. So there would be striving. Lots of people rowing, getting tired, burning out, and eventually getting nowhere. And yet I'm like, but, but what if... What if we just set our sail, let the wind blow us, and we actually get taken further than if we had strived our butts off? If we had just supernatural energy to work, you know, 20 hours a day and just get it all done, and let's just work for God, and, you know, because we're passionate about Jesus. And yet, we've moved beyond what He's called us to do. Like, passion for God um, doesn't excuse disobedience to God all right so how can we set our sail I think the first thing we need to do is it's yield and I imagine myself like a little boat and my sails are a thing and I just go I set my sail just don't don't perform don't perform for God. He doesn't, he's, not interested in your, he's not interested in how good you are at something. I mean, you know, he loves you and he's a good father. But I'm just saying, he's not like, he's not, he's not like oh, wow, so glad you're here, Brad. Where would I be without you? I, I know that there would be plenty of people who could do a far better job I live in the reality of my inadequacy. But just, just, and it's just an acknowledgement. I don't feel like it's a shame thing. It's just like, yeah, wow, I, what am I doing here? Like, why me? And you might look and go, oh, but Brad, you've got this skill. Like, oh, but I don't see it. And then I see where I could be and, and I see where, where, how much better this person would be. And, but that's not the point. Because <laughs> if, if it was all about my strength, then he would have probably chosen somebody else. But it's all about his. I'm just like, here I am, Lord. You chose me, so you get what you chose. <laughs> you know? You don't like it, it's your fault. Uh, no. But he's changing me. And he's changing me when I stop resisting the change by trying to, be, by trying to change myself or trying to be who I think I'm supposed to be. Like I, I can only be me yielded to him 
and let him mold me and shape me into who he wants me to be. As I said before, yielding is not is active, it's not passive. Yielding isn't giving up. Yielding is coming to a stop. As I said last week, it's like applying pressure to the brake. It's like I'm just, I'm just stopping. Here I am, Lord. I yield. I give myself fully to you. Even though even in saying I give myself fully to you, I'm not giving myself fully to you because I, I'm not even in control of you know, some of me or I don't know parts of me, but every part that I know that I can yield, I give to you. Every part of, of my heart that is awakened, I give to you. Every part of my heart that's alive, I give to you. And I know that you care then for those parts of my heart that aren't awake and aren't alive and aren't whole and are still in bondage. And you take all of those parts as well. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Like, again, we sing these songs sometimes and I'm like, are we, are we actually checking in with what we're singing? Are we actually realizing what we're saying to God? Because he takes our words seriously. You said it, Brad, so I'm going to do it. I'm like, oh, should I sing that song? <laughs> For some of us, the work of yielding is different, is difficult because of performance orientation in our hearts or because of the performance orientation in the culture. We live under this expectation of doing. Like that's the reality, even in the church world that we live in, in the kingdom of God, performance is rampant. And to be a people that just go, no, we're just gonna go with the Lord. Oh, but there's opportunity, I know. And he's, it is not there, he's not moving there. What are we going to do? Yes, I know. Well, I could be more well-known if I did this, or we could accomplish more if we did this. Totally. That's, if that's not the direction that the wind's blowing. Now, do I believe that there'll be in the future times where all of those things happen? Absolutely. But I feel like it'll be sustainable. And God will be all over it. And we, weren't, we won't be birthing illegitimate children into the world that we can't care for and that God hasn't ordained. Yielding requires trust. So again, we say, okay, well, I yield, but I'm like, really? So at this moment last night, um, so Abigail, our five-year-old daughter, um, you can judge us for, for our parenting if you haven't already. Um, but uh, but we just, we're just big on, um, I don't know, we just try to love our kids the best that we can. But one of the things is, um, so all of our kids from when they were babies um, co-slept with us. So we had them in the bed with us and um, in a little thing safely so we didn't roll on top of them. And, um, but, uh, but that was important. And then so I think, uh, you know, when, and, but then when each of the kids got to an age where the next child was coming along, then they'd be moved into a bed and, and whatever. And so, um, but Abigail, she's coming up to, turning six, and, uh, and still, um, most nights, she finds her way into our bed. Um, and it's hard, you know, because you're like, well, and I, I know she'll, she'll grow out of it and things, but it's like, but I, just, I love cuddling my kids. Um, so, so that weird thing, and, and it's really about where she feels safe and nurtured and secured. Um, but so last night, so when it comes to bedtime, generally it's, I'll say goodnight to Micah, 
and we do all of our the different things that we have to, you know, each kid has their own way of, of connecting and um, pray for them, that sort of thing. Then there will be Noah, and then I've, you know, got to pray for him, got to be up on his bed, got to write a little um, love note in his little notebook, and um, so come up with creative ones each night, and, and um, so we do that, there's this fan on, all that sort of stuff, and then it's go and put Abigail to bed. Um, I don't know, I'm just telling, I'm just giving you some insight into my world. Um, and then she got a loft bed, and so it's, and it's like a little single bed. And so I just assumed, okay, by this time, cool, now it'll be Abigail, you'll be up there, and we'll sit on a chair, and, and, and that worked for a couple of nights, and then you're just like, you know, I'm tired, I just want to lay down, so end up in bed with her, and uh, just lying on her bed, and then she likes the cuddles, and you have to be on your back, so she can s- snuggle in, um, but she was just um, <laughs> doing this thing last night where she was then, I'd put my arm out and then she'd find a way to, to tickle me and I'm like super ticklish, um, but I'm also quite contagious so I wouldn't try it this morning, but I'd, I'll cough on you, I'm just warning you, you come up, everyone's going to try to start tickling me. No. Um, but so, so the thing, so then I, I do it and then, and then she'd lean and then she'd do it and it's, I'd have to lock in and, you know, and she knows that, like, and also get into my neck, I'm like, so she's attacking me and laughing and having a good time. But it was that thing, she's like, no, no, okay, I promise, daddy, I promise I won't tickle you because she now wants to snuggle in there. So I'm like, but I just, I don't, okay, last, you know, and I put out and then she'll do it. And then, she, of course, she has to. She can't resist the opportunity to torment her father and... Uh, and then she does it, but it's that thing of like trust and, and I've got to, now I've got to trust. But that's, you know, that vulnerable thing of when, like when someone's there, I can do it to the kids if you tickle them a few times and then I'll just go like, and I'll put my hand near them and they laugh like they're being tickled and yet I'm not even touching them, just the anticipation of tickling. And so I'm there and it's like, how do I do this? Because it's so vulnerable now because I know what could happen if I open myself up to you, uh, daughter, and... Uh, but I feel like sometimes it's that reality with the Lord. It's like when I, when I open myself up, because maybe in the past I've opened myself up to people or to situations or even what I felt like to the Lord, and I've come off second best. Far worse than tickling. There are not much things worse than tickling. But, and so it's that thing of like, so when I know as soon as I start, it's only when I start to open up my arms that then that opportunity and the fear of what could happen is actually exposed. My lack of trust gets exposed only in the opening up. Um, even talking to someone this morning and it's a thing, it's like, yeah, we trust God, but then you realize, oh, but, but do I really trust God? <laughs> Because it's only, I can say, I trust God with finances. Okay, okay, we'll give a significant amount of money. Whew, well, now you put it that way. Um, you know, it's, it's only in the doing that our heart gets revealed and exposed. And so that's okay as well. But don't go, well, oh, well I'm, 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 too, I'm, I'm too scared to yield, so then I won't. It's like, I'm too scared to yield. Father, I don't want to live a life where I can't be yielded to you. So God, expose my heart. Search out, why am I afraid to yield to you? And let him speak to you. And if you don't get an answer, then get with someone who can help you to have a facilitated encounter with Jesus, what we call prayer ministry, and go, I just need to know. I'm, I thought I trusted God, but there's just this area that I'm like, I, I can't do that. I just can't trust you with that area. And there could be a multitude of really valid reasons as to why but don't, it's, it can be in the process that the lack of trust gets exposed and gets revealed, and that's okay. 
but don't then you know just shut down and go oh well i just i guess i don't stretch the measure and then deal with the discomfort of being in that unsafe place and let the lord minister to you and prove himself so number one is yield number two is be filled with the spirit so a sail only works when it catches the wind um, if you don't hear ask for ears to hear if you don't dream ask for the father to give you dreams actively engage in the process so, so I set my sails Lord. I want to hear your voice I want to know that the wind is blowing I want to be part of what's happening and I do find that sometimes that can be our default is that well I'm not like that so therefore I'll do nothing whereas you might find you, you might find someone's like man that person just hears from God all the time oh, I just wish I had that gift it might not be a gift it might be a muscle that's a muscle that they've grown because they recognize I'm really weak in hearing God. What am I going to do about that? I'm going to start exercising my muscles. I'm going to start trying this. I'm going to start going out in the street and God give me a, a word for that person over there. Or I'm going to be in the word. I'm going to make sure I come in this morning. Holy Spirit, where, where, where are you leading us? And then, oh, they sung that song and you spoke to me. Or I'm going to pray for someone and just trust God that they'll give me a word to prophesy over them. Whatever it is, it's, it's, sometimes we think that we, we mistake a gift for a muscle. It's like, no, that's actually their maturity because they were willing to devote their time and energy in being matured by the Lord in that area. I, I can play guitar okay. Um, as long as, you know, open chords. And uh, if you know, you know that. But, but for me, it's like, I've, I've, I'm, like a, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. I like doing lots of things. And, and for me, like to, to sit down, I've never really spent time practicing guitar. It's just been in the doing that I've happened to learn it kind of over time. But that's what it is. It's been years of slowly developing something, a skill set to, to get to that place. But I, I didn't wake up one day with the gift of being able to play chords on a guitar. Um, and so just to trust when you, when you come up against your limitation, to not excuse yourself and remove yourself from the situation. You might set your sail and you go, man, there's a whole lot of holes in my sail. Oh, well, I guess I'm not going to catch the wind. It's open your, let the Lord start to repair some of those holes, some of those gaps. Like do something, actively engage in the process of what he's doing. If you're like, oh, well, I don't pray in tongues, ask for it. And keep asking for it. And don't be ashamed about asking every single tongue-praying person that you know of to say, can you pray for me? It's another week's gone by and I haven't got, can you pray for me again? I just want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to, I'm going to hunger for this because the Lord, it is, he promises that I'll, he'll give me the things that I ask for in that way. He'll pour out his spirit. Now again, praying in tongues, the personal prayer language, it's, it's not the biggest thing in the world doesn't make you a christian if you got some of that bad theology come and talk to me and i will rework your theology straight from scripture um you know paul does talk about i'd rather you prophesy than than pray in tongues but it's there it's, it's those sorts of things it's those activations in the spirit you might find well i'm not a very spiritual person do you pray in tongues yes i do well how often do you do that because again one corinthians says that when you pray in a tongue not speak in tongues different word in the greek but pray in a tongue your personal prayer language it edifies your spirit it builds up your spiritual muscles i used to do that sometimes i'd just be driving the car I'm just i'm just going to pray in tongues and it's just you just feel it's like a like a personal training session for your spirit man that's what it does because the Bible says that. Well, I'm going to trust that that's what you're going to do. 
but actively engage in the process. Don't, don't be one that says, oh, I'm just not very spiritual, I'm not very prophetic. Well, Jesus was, and you're called to be like him. So get on the journey, like jump on the bus, jump on the boat even, just to keep it in line. As I said before, it's okay to use the scriptures to keep you in alignment with the direction that is heading. If your one is just like, but are we just going to go off into some weird, crazy thing? No, well then use it. It's okay to utilize those tools. Again, if you've got fear, and that's your motivation for, for, for keeping things back or keeping things in line, that's a problem. Okay, because God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Sometimes fear masquerades as wisdom. So be very aware of that. Sometimes what you think is wisdom is actually just fear dominating you and controlling you and keeping you bound, which isn't good. Just to round that up. Um, some of us, need, we need to lift our anchor. Deal with anything that is holding you down or keeping you stuck in this current season and is resisting the move of the spirit that is blowing now. You might find yourself and go, I'm, just, I'm resistant to what God is doing. And, and you might just be because there's some resistance in you. Don't assume that you're right. Don't assume, well, I'm not, you know, I can't trust that. You, you might be wrong. You might think you're wise and yet you're completely ignorant. And you're opposing what God is doing. So I'm just saying, I'm not... Maybe it's none of you here. But all I'm saying is, you know, sometimes we get in that thing, it's like, oh, well, I, I don't, don't agree with that. Not, not sure about that. That doesn't sound right. Okay, well, it might not sound right to you because you're wrong. <laughs> Every lie is a truth to the person who believes it. So why, why am I digging my heels in? Why have I got my anchor stuck buried in the ground? No, no I'm not, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to go, you know, where are those people going off to? Well, I don't want, I, like that's for me. I, I've had plenty of those seasons and I can be suspicious and I can be not too sure. I'm just going to wait. That's okay. Interview the Lord, interview your heart. It's okay. But if you've got yourself anchored to the ground and the Lord is trying to, to move you, that's not okay because you're actually resisting what God is doing. And that is, that is far more unsafe than being stuck in the harbour. It's far more safe. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> you know, being, but going with God out into the sea is a far safer place to be than waiting in the harbour. And my final point is enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, like enjoy, be, be expectant as to what he's going to do. I love when I wake up, and that's why sometimes I'm like, I, I need to listen to that prophetic person, I need to listen to that teaching, I need to be around that person, because it just reminds me, and gets me into that place, like that's right, Lord, you're just doing good things, you're doing amazing things. Uh, in this last week, I, I've, I've recorded a lot of prophetic words that I've been given, I've got them on my phone as a playlist, I'm, like, I'm just going to start playing those, just reminding me, that's right Lord, like I'm not, I'm looking at what's happening here and yet you see all that's out there and I've got to keep my eyes on those two realities, not ignoring my current state, my current responsibility, my current limitation, but God recognizing that you don't have those limitations and you're not living in my season, you are present but you are also out there. You are imminent and you are transcendent and that's where you are taking me. So I need to keep my eyes on what you're doing in me to move me to that place. And enjoy yourself. 
But again, part of the enjoyment is to deal with anything that is being resistant in that place. Fear, lack of trust, those things make a trip really unpleasant. But when, the, when we allow the Lord to, to deal with those areas and to set ourselves and go, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you, that you're going to lead me, then we get to enjoy the movement of God and where he's leading us as a people. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Would you like to stand? Yeah. We love your breath, Holy Spirit. We love your breath, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that we can trust you. And, Father, every area of, of where there is a lack of trust, God, it is not because you have proven yourself untrustworthy, Lord. Even if that has been the way that we've interpreted in our lives, God, we thank you there is a greater truth, Lord. And, Father, every area where we don't have trust for you, God, our response is not to stay in distrust. Our response is to repent of our distrust, Lord. You're inviting us into a new measure, God. You are taking us into a new place, Father. You are leading us into a new season as a community, God. And you have great things for us, Lord, things that we haven't even imagined, God. And, Father, we just want to be in alignment with you, God. We're not throwing our brains out the window. We're not throwing our discernment out the window, Lord. We're actively engaging all of those things to say, Lord, where are you leading us? I'm so excited about this next step on the journey, God. I'm so excited about where you're leading us, Father. And I'm so excited just to enjoy the ride of where you are blowing, Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Father, that you give us all the provision for the journey. And God, even those areas where we might feel that we're anchored to something, Lord, or there's holes in our sails, God, or there's even a, a hole that we've got a leaky boat. And I'm like, I don't know if it's going to, you know, be okay out on the open seas. But Father, we thank you that you're just tenderly and gently and lovingly repairing us too, Lord. You love the vessel, God. You love us as a vessel for you, God. We're not a cargo ship, Lord. We are, we're, you are our captain <laughs> and you live in us, Lord. We are your vessel. We are your temple, Holy Spirit. So even as we are going, it is you moving with us, Lord, to wherever you want to lead us, God. So we just say yes and amen again to you, God. We just say yes and amen, Lord. Deal with our hearts, God, as you always continue and lovingly do. But Father, we just want to set sail and be caught up in the wind that you're leading us with. We thank you, Lord, that you keep us safe, even in the open seas, Lord. And you love us so deeply and tenderly. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Bless you guys.